Welcome to 5 Minutes of Courage with Maggie Arndt. This podcast focuses on God's Word, the Bible, and how much God loves you. Our goal is to show you throughout Scripture how loved and valued you are by the God of the universe. 5 Minutes is all you need to be filled with hope, joy, purpose, and yes, courage. Now here's your host, Maggie Arndt. Hey everybody, welcome back to 5 Minutes of Courage with me, Maggie. I'm sitting in front of the Grand Place in Brussels. I've had a a number of you ask me about my picture. I've switched up locations. I'm now recording in the basement at my house. Um, And so if you were curious about the picture, I think it's kind of fun. I might might stay here for a while. We are in the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. And right off the bat, I'm hoping you have your Bible in front of you. But if you don't, at the very end of chapter 7, it says the most ancient Greek manuscripts do not include John 7.53 through 8.11. And that would include the woman caught in adultery, or in Latin, as we learned last week, the pericope adulterae. Say it with me, pericope adulterae. There's your Latin lesson for the day. Kind of fun. Tomorrow on Theology Wednesday, that doesn't have any alliteration at all, but I will explain to you what exactly the scoop is with that and why this story seems to be plopped right down in the middle of a really strange spot where it maybe didn't really belong because there's really a lot of controversy concerning whether this was even part of the Gospel of John from the beginning. Many scholars think it's not very Johannine in its origins and that it could have been added later, but we'll kind of unpack that tomorrow. In the meantime, there is so much in this story that is rich and it entirely keeps with Jesus's relationship to sinners. Um, it, it heralds back to when he called Matthew the tax collector to be one of his disciples, that he was accepting of a sim- sinful woman who anointed him at the Pharisee's house, um, the Samaritan woman at the well. This just fits in really, really beautifully. And so we are going to set up camp today and spend some time in this story Right off the bat, it says, um, as he was speaking, I'm in verse three, as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law, which is just another word for the scribes. A lot of times they say scribes and Pharisees. So let's just describe who these people are. The scribes are expert interpreters of the Torah law, and the Pharisees are well known for their careful observance of the law. So the scribes interpret what the law meant, what it means. The Pharisees make sure that people abide by this law. Okay, and if you've read it, you know that the question is whether this woman was guilty of committing adultery. And the reason that this was such a big deal is because Deuteronomy prescribes stoning for anyone who is pledged to be married, who engages in sex with another. And Leviticus prescribes death as the penalty for adultery, but it doesn't necessarily say how. So then we look at the Mishnah, which would be the Jewish teachings regarding the law that were handed down orally, and they said strangulation or stoning. Either one would be fine, really. But the thing that we need to understand about this is that the law required the execution of the woman, but also of the man. And if you notice, this is the woman caught in adultery. The story doesn't mention any man. 
which in a patriarchal society, like the one we're dealing with here, people were going to be more likely to excuse a man than a woman for any kind of sexual sin. And, and that is just how it was back then. And so the, the scribes and the Pharisees really only need the woman in this case, because it isn't she who is on trial. It is Jesus. If we're being honest, they frankly don't care a whole bunch about her. The scribes and the Pharisees have watched Jesus deal mercifully with sinners. And the hope here is that he will stray beyond the bounds with this woman. So here's this poor woman who literally was pulled from in verse four, as they say, they pulled her from the act of adultery. So let's set the the stage here. Here's this woman who likely isn't clothed, who was just pulled probably out of a bed where she was with a man, and they pull her out into the city square to put her in front of Jesus so that they could say to him, now, in the law of Moses, we are commanded to stone. What do you say? Well, they pretend to be asking Jesus for his opinion, but if Jesus says that the woman should not be stoned, they could bring charges against him for subverting Mosaic law. But if he says that she should be stoned, his decision is going to cost him the support of many of the common people who would be offended by such strict adherence to the Mosaic law. They they followed it, and yet they didn't really follow it to the letter of the law, pun intended, a law that we have a reason to believe was honored mainly in the breach at the point in time. And so a decision to stone the woman could really upset these people. Additionally, it would really get Jesus in trouble with the Roman authorities, because at this time, Rome alone has authority to impose capital punishment. So even though technically Jewish law says that they should stone her, they really weren't going to be able to do so anyway. So what they were doing was they were testing Jesus. And what does he do? He stoops down and he writes on the ground with his finger. Wouldn't we love to know what he was writing? So many scholars for so many years have suggested any number of possibilities. Perhaps he was just doodling, stalling for time to enhance the drama. We don't know. Perhaps he was writing a verse of scripture. I love this one. Perhaps he was writing the names of the scribes and Pharisees and listing their sins next to their names. In fact, we actually just don't know what Jesus was writing. And if it were important for us to know, God would have inspired the author of this story to tell us. But the answer is, we just don't know. And so they continue asking. And he looks up and he says to them, all right. But let the, the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then what's he do? Starts doodling again. So I'm guessing that, they, that he wasn't writing down their names and their sins. Because that would have been just really a juicy piece that we would need to know. And when the accusers heard this, they kind of slipped away one by one like rats, you know, they're convicted by their conscience one by one, beginning with from oldest to last, because Jesus's challenge hit the mark. 
even among the very experienced scribes and Pharisees, they can quickly quickly see that they are outwitted by Jesus. And soon, Jesus and the women, woman were left alone, and he's still doodling. And what does he do? In verse 10, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Not one. Not one of them did. And while it is clear that the woman is guilty, Jesus neither condemns nor excuses her. His statement acknowledges her guilt, but he simply challenges her to abstain from sin in the future. And he offers her a chance for a new life. Now, do you suppose there's any possibility that Jesus just didn't know? Well, no, of course not, because as as we have said before, Jesus is omnipotent. He can read your mind. He knew exactly what went down before she even showed up with probably very few clothes in the middle of the square. And it made me think of some lyrics by Zach, Zach Williams, where he says, bring it all to the table. There's nothing he ain't seen before. So don't think that you could be the one that grace couldn't change, that you could possibly be the one who has outsinned anything that Jesus could forgive. Because in the book of Romans, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we are not, we are not giving the impression that people are not forgiven for past sins but are yet held to a perfect standard in the future, that's not true. That wouldn't be good news, and it isn't faithful to the New Testament. It's frankly just not true. Jesus knows that we have sinned and that we will sin, but he wants us to be an ongoing progress to live and walk as he did. So I hope you have something new and interesting to chew on today. Come back tomorrow, and we are going to talk about this passage, where it came from, where it maybe could go in the canon, and whether or not it was written by the the disciple John. Be well. Thanks so much for listening today. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'd hate for you to miss out on even one minute of courage. Then share it with all your friends. If you'd like more information or would like to contact me directly, go to 5minutesofcourage.com. That's the number five, and you can connect with me there.